0: You are listening to A Taste of Romumu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romumu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. It was in April of 2008 that I traveled with my then fiance and my family back to, to Berlin. My father and his little brother Joe, my uncle Joey, they get out of Berlin in around June of 1938, about a good five months or so before those fateful events in November of 1938, known as the November programme, some call it Kristallnacht. As the boat had entered the New York Harbor back in 1938, with my five-year-old father and his three-year-old brother in tow, my grandmother Irene said to my father and his brother, swear to me that you will never go back to Germany ever again. It was late in April of 2008 that my father and his uncle broke that vow in order to bring us back to that place to see to see their home, to see where they had played as children. It was a very moving trip for me. It was very transformative for Ariel, for all of us. One particular moment stands out. We made our way to the reconstructed Neue Synagogue, the new synagogue in Berlin, a majestic synagogue, 3,000 strong, where the pews Moorish design, gorgeous synagogue. It had just been reopened and um, we made our way in. And as I entered into the vestibule, the opening in the front of the synagogue, my parents and the entire retinue made their way in and I stayed because there was a a Torah scroll that had been preserved from the fires. And the scroll was opened up to my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Of course it shouldn't be odd that it was opened up to my the reading for my Bar Mitzvah because tomorrow morning is my Bar Mitzvah parsha and it begins with these words el Moshe Tell Aaron and his children this is the Torah this is the teaching of the Ola of the fully burnt offering. The offering that has nothing left behind, no limbs, no other elements of the animal are left for the priests or for the owners. The offering is placed onto the altar and it is fully consumed. It is translated in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Bible as the Holocaust offering. Holocaust is the Greek word. Holocaustin is the word for that which is completely offered up. There's something about this offering that we explored last year, a year ago, in a sermon that I titled, Ashes, Ashes, We All Rise Up. Where there was this lifting up of the ashes every morning from the previous evening's fully consumed offering. There was ashes, there were deshen, the Hebrew word for ashes, deshen. Eta deshen let them lift up the deshen, the, the leftover ashes that were there on the altar from the evening before. Let the priest do that every morning, morning in morning take out the ashes. Bichutz la machane al makom tahor, take it out bes- outside of the camp to a, a pure place. The the theme of the Holocaust was on my mind this week. Not just because of the Ola, not just because of my trip to Berlin, and not just because of the moment. But this week was pretty difficult. The aftermath of, of a week where We had the tragedy in Brooklyn a week ago tonight where we had the plane crashing into the French Alps and only yesterday fires were burning here in New York as buildings fell again and ashes were everywhere. And of course in our own community last Friday I remember Marnie Gallison lost her brother David who succumbed to, to, to cancer. And so my mind was racing this week with images of, of different stories. And one particular story spoke to me. It was a story that I read. It captured what I was feeling a little bit. The story in a book called Out of the Depths, which is a story about the former chief rabbi of Israel, Rabbi Yisrael Lau, who is the uncle of my dear friend and colleague Amichai Lau Levi. His brother, meaning the chief rabbi's brother, Amichai's father, Naftali. they of course both survived the camps. And when they were, had been fully resettled into Israel, they met a Hasidic Rebbe who was named Avrissal Alter, the Gera Rebbe's son, who would become the Beit Yisrael. His name, Yisrael Alter, is the, the Rebbe of Ger. And this is the story about that meeting. The rabbi pleaded with Naftali, the survivor, to eat heartily while he himself ate sparingly in silence. Afterward, the rabbi signaled to Naftali to follow him out into the street. They strode without speaking down several Jerusalem streets. Occasionally, this rabbi would fix Naftali with a penetrating stare and then continued in his hurried pace. They kept crossing the streets back and forth, and suddenly the rabbi stopped and grabbed Naftali by his lapels and asked him urgently, did you see it? And astonished, Naftali answered, what? The rabbi continued as if it should have been obvious, the smoke rising from the crematoria. Naftali was shocked by this question and gave a positive reply, but the rabbi didn't relent. He said, you saw the burning with your own eyes? When Naftali once again answered yes, the rabbi turned around and strode swiftly back up the street, his body bent slightly forward. The rabbi who had lost his wife and children to the gas chambers was lost in thought, contemplating the fate of his family and his followers. They walked walked in silence to the street corner and then the rabbi again shook Naftali by the lapels and asked him in Yiddish, are you sure you saw the chimneys? Again, Naftali gave his confirmation, but the rabbi would not permit any remaining sliver of a doubt and continued to probe, and did you also see smoke rising from those chimneys? Did it burn, or was what you saw with your own eyes just a building, with a chimney? Naftali replied to the rabbi's questions with a decisive precision. Yes, he said, I saw the smoke. This rabbi's questions don't end there because then he turned to Naftali and he said, and did you also see the Holy One, blessed be he, standing with you? This was one question that Naftali could not answer and so they fell silent once more the rabbi, noticing that Naftali was exhausted by the conversation, invited him to sleep over at his house. And it was a night he never forgot. Did you see the Holy One next to you? He was trying to lift the ashes of the burnt, wholly consumed offering. He was trying to lift something up. This rabbi went on, of course, to remarry and to have many children and to continue to be a Hasidic Rebbe, you can go today to see the thousands and thousands and thousands of devotees and students who live a devoted, powerful Jewish life. From this unanswered question, did you see the Holy One beside you? Lifting up the ashes. This reminded me of the way that the great Rav Salavechik, who was a modern orthodox thinker of the last century, when discussing the Holocaust and suffering in general, Rav Salavechik said that there are two covenants. There's the covenant he called of fate. brit goral. Fate is, in essence, where you come from and what you have been given. Each and every one of us has a fate. But Rav Salavechik said... In Jewish thought and in Jewish practice, the more important question than fate is destiny. What do you do with what you have been given? What do you do with what you have been given is destiny. Fate is what you've been given. And as soon as I heard Rav Salavechik's teaching, first of all, it softened my heart. And the second thing he did is it reminded me of another great teacher. You might have heard of him. He was called the Buddha. The funny thing about incredible spiritual teachers is that even if it emerges from a particular lineage, if it's true, it's universal. And the Buddha said this. He told his students, don't waste your time with metaphysics. Don't waste your time with speculation. Whenever he was asked with a metaphysical question, the Buddha always remained silent. Like Naftali in this book, in this story, he responded with a deep shtika, deep unanswerable sign. He said this, whether the world is infinite or finite, whether it is limited or unlimited, whether suffering comes from the gods or not, the problem of your liberation, your freedom, remains the same. And then he gave a famous parable. Suppose a man is struck by a poisoned arrow. And the doctor wishes to take out the arrow immediately. Suppose the man doesn't want the arrow removed until he knows who shot it, the age of the person who shot it, his parents, and why he shot it. What would happen, the Buddha asked. If he were to wait until all of these questions had been answered, the man would die first. Life is so short, it must not be spent in endless metaphysical speculation that does not bring us closer to the truth. A simpler way to say this is, don't ask why, ask what. Don't ask why, ask what is the bedrock of Pesach. It is the bedrock of that most important of all Jewish holidays that begins every year. That believe it or not, as the Haggadah will tell you next Friday night, the Haggadah, the prayer book of the Seder, will say to you, It's up to you and me to see ourselves as if we ourselves left. Which means that right now, we're a good week away from leaving Egypt. We are in the midst of Egypt right now. This Shabbat which is called Shabbat HaGadol, the great Sabbath, the Sabbath that always precedes Pesach. We're in it, everyone. And on this Shabbat, we hear the potency of ask what, not why. So many people here know that next Friday night, well, maybe you don't know this yet, but. We're going to be asking some questions, and every Pesach we talk about questions, right? Every rabbi talks about questions. They always say questions are good, right? I'm not going to say that. (laughs) They always say, live your questions, that you might one day live into the answers. Rilke, very beautiful. We don't begin the Pesach Seder with the question, why? Why were we in Egypt? What did we go, why did we go down there? What was the purpose? Why, 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 why? My three-and-a-half-year-old, God willing, my son Tao, will stand up and say, <laughs> what makes this night different from other nights? Not lama, not for what, to what end, but what is this? In Kabbalah, we call this chokhmah, which is wisdom. And the Kabbalists say chokhmah is koachmah. The word chokhmah, wisdom, can be split into two words. The power of what? The power of what? There's a woman who makes a living teaching this. She's a coach. If you put into your Google search what, (laughs) you'll find what Erica Brown, the author of a very beautiful Uh, Haggadah, she brings this also this amazing woman Laura Berman whose entire career is on teaching wisdom access questions so she calls them WAX right? W-A-Q's she says that to ask why is always to close the door but when you ask what you shift everything here are some of her examples, instead of asking yourself, why is this happening to me, ask what do I need to do to get through this Instead of saying, why am I such a failure? Ask, what do I need? What will get me what I want? Why aren't I better at this is, what can I do to improve? Why can't I get this? What do I need to know, to understand? Instead of asking other people, why did she say that? The question might be, what could have made her say that? Instead of, whose fault was it? We can ask, what is the solution? Can you imagine if the Middle East adopted this program? <laughs> Can you imagine? First of all, I want to say, this not, I'm not in any way undermining good therapeutic interventions and people who want to spend 30 years in various psychoanalytic things or psychodynamic things. Why is a wonderful thing to explore. Maybe try this for an experiment. My wife and I tried this for, for about five months. Try this on. Ask your friends to do things for you without asking a question at all. Without any question. Let's say you want your friend to get you a glass of orange juice. Instead of saying, well, you get me a glass of orange juice, you might have to think differently about it. I really would love a glass of orange juice. <laughs> now, it's, it's funny, right? But it saved, and I'm not going to talk about this tonight, but it saved my life. How you ask your questions can save your life. The most important moment of the Jewish calendar is not Kol Nidre, it's Manishtana. And not just because we're teaching kids to have a Yiddish cup, to have our kids have the questioning that subverts, but noticing differences, staying present to the moment. Shabbat HaGadol gets its great name because this is the Shabbat when a week before liberation, really four days before liberation, we had a little lamb in our home that was scaring us because we had been told what to do but not why we had been told take a lamb and bring it into the home and then you'll slaughter it and then that will be a sign and you can imagine people sitting in their homes on that Shabbat going now why did they say that we should have the God of Egypt in our living room for four days here in Egypt that's scary They stayed with it. It became a mezuzah, it became that part of the poem that Rabbi Jessica mentioned, that night where there was fear, but they stayed focused on what it was that they were doing, where they were going. They had the strength, the koach of ma. They became chachamim, wise ones, who focused only on what they needed to do. We have no answers for what took place this week. There isn't anyone in this room there isn't any rabbi or priest or imam, there isn't any philosopher or theologian who will sit with that family or with Marni or with the families in, in Europe or wherever they are and say to them, I know why we had to go down to Egypt, no one. And I've read them all and they're all lacking but the question for us, for me, for you, for Sonny, for Neely, for all of us sitting here tonight is, now what? What is it? What is being called for? What needs to be done? What am I being asked to bring? Those are the answers that connect us. Those are the answers that have us reaching out to give someone shelter, To invite them to a Seder, those are our answers. Those are our marching orders. That is our destiny, not our fate. We live with that. So I want to bless all of you here tonight with the strength of Ma. I want to give you strength and give me strength back. There are so many good reasons for us to get stuck in trying to figure out why things happen, and there are certainly good times for that. We need to know wise, a lot of wise. We need to be wise, guys. <laughs> but the question of Pesach, the question of this week, is: What? What can I do? What more do I need to open myself to to hold this? There was a great Rebbe. I was finished with this. whose name was uh, Rav Aaron of Karlin. He was a student of the Magad of Mezrich, Rav Aaron Agadol, And the Magad of Mezrich who was the student of the Baal Shem Tov, the Magad took over for the Baal Shem Tov and he had an interest in creating a Hasidic revolution. And in order to create a Hasidic revolution he had to enlist the brightest and the smartest and the most interesting minds in Europe. Right? He had to Seduced them away from other centers of learning, other big firms. So he sent his big student Rav Aron to go find a particular student named Rav Chaim Chaikel. He heard he was like the smartest and most brilliant Talmudist, and he wanted him on his Hasidic team. So he sent Rav Aaron out. And so he went and he found this particular Chaim Chaikol. He was sitting in the study center and he was learning. And Rav Aaron made like he was a complete idiot and he walked over and he, he was like, What you learning? And so Chaim Chakal said to him, I'm learning, leave me alone. Can I help you? He said, I'm busy, I'm learning, leave me alone. This went on for a couple of minutes and finally, Rav Aaron said in a very stern voice, as if he actually knew what he was talking about, he said, You know, to this Chaim Chakal, the Mishnah. The Mishnah promise is that someone who learns Torah for the sake of heaven merits many things, many mysteries. And looking at him straight in the eye, he said, have you heard of those mysteries yet? And he broke him completely. He was essentially saying to him, how's it working for you? How's that working for you, that studying in such a dismissive way? Have you seen the promise of the Mishnah that says that when you learn with love that you'll receive many things? He opened in and he said, maybe I have to rethink this thing. When I hear what questions, they open me to that question. I say, am I really getting it? Because sometimes we get so stuck in the why, we get there for a long time and we say, hmm, I want some of those mysteries. I want what comes when I ask myself not why, but what. So blessings to all of you for a lot of chokhmah, a lot of strength in ma'ing. May each and every one of us have the strength to answer unanswerable questions with the power of our what.